I know. I remember in college <clears throat> that you started doing like, uh, like portraits for people, and you did some of my band's early stuff. Oh gosh, those pictures! Hell yeah, I remember looking back at that. I was very <laughs> thankful that uh, you didn't completely lose uh, our. We didn't lose your friendship when we asked to do a picture in just our boxers. So I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> and that I didn't lose your friendship when I decided to Photoshop flames onto that picture. <laughs> oh man, early days of photography were not, they were not beautiful well, <laughs> styles. Interesting then. Welcome to the Edge of Punks podcast. This is your host, Craig Vitamin. I'm glad to be back with the podcast after like a month off. I know, I know you might feel like I've been neglecting the podcast, but I had to take care of myself, take care of my brain, take care of some of my personal life and professional life stuff, just to reprioritize life. That's all I needed to do. But the podcast is back. I'm here this week with my friend Katie Weaver, who is one of my favorite DIY human beings. She might not come off as punk as you might think, but God damn it, she did it herself to make the career that she has right now. And this is a perfect podcast for that because this is a podcast for everyday educators and daily disruptors in the entire world that I get to speak with. And so you get to hear me talk to my buddy, Katie Weaver about how she created a complete photography for career for herself, uh, starting from our very humble days at Oregon State University to now where she travels literally all over the world to take pictures of couples, of human beings, of weddings. It is a fantastic life she gets to lead, a life that she's created for herself on her own, DIY as fuck. Super proud of her, but you'll hear that. You'll hear that pride throughout the entire conversation with Katie. Cannot wait for you to hear it all. This week I'm playing you tunes from the most recent Holy Fawn album. It is called uh, Death Spells. It was released uh, by Holy Roar Records last year and is currently being re-released by Triple Crown Records. I'll get to that a little bit later, but it's super cool. It is some great post-rock, post-noise chaotic but also beautiful music and i hope you enjoy it you'll hear a six minute long song later in the episode but you can skip it if you're not really into it i'm just letting you know it's gonna be a long music break but the song is gorgeous so i hope you enjoy that uh on the quick break i actually was in dc for a little bit which was really nice took a group of students to washington dc for a service trip for some hunger and homelessness uh, uh, 
service work, which was really fun. Uh, I learned a lot about myself and a lot about my boundaries with working with students and just my boundaries with work-life separation in general. So that kind of took a bit out of me. But we're here, and I'm ready to go, and I'm ready to get the podcast back on the show! I don't think that's actually a phrase that people say, back on the show, back on the road. Man. I've been away. And I just completely forgot how to do these intros. But you know what? I'm keeping all this in. This is all staying in. And uh, uh, you know what? I'm going to stop dilly-dallying. And I'm going to get you to the conversation with Katie Weaver, one of my favorite human beings that's ever existed. Here we go! Um, so I am sitting digitally with my friend Katie Weaver. I miss you. Hey. <laughs> Woo! I miss you too. <laughs> uh, Katie's all the way in Oregon. Uh, so we are on a bit of a time difference. So thanks for being up for me. <laughs> the bright and early, 1030 in the morning. <laughs> bright and early. <laughs> it's not bright and early. <laughs> I was wide awake at 7 o'clock this morning. It's all good. Morning person. <laughs> How are you feeling today? Um, you know, it's, it's morning, but I'm feeling okay. Despite that. Yeah. I don't know. Have you, have you read that book? Um, it's called like the science of timing. Um, I don't believe so. It's called, it's like when the science of the perfect timing in your life or something like that. Uh, it's really great book. I've been reading it and it's about like whether you're, um, it's about timing in general, but it also covers like whether you're a morning person or, an owl or what they call like a third bird and it has like interesting a whole bunch of scientific um information about like the timing of your life and as well as like timing in your day-to-day uh really interesting i've been reading it and i've been like realizing like oh this is why i don't function in the morning like (laughs) the power of timing uh hold on i had it pulled up and then i lost it it was like yeah it's like the science of timing it's called when when the science of perfect timing when the science of perfect timing all right i'm looking this up it's a great book science very of perfect timing definitely recommend when daniel pink what a great name i know it's a great name cool i'm gonna add this to my amazon book list really cool it's like really interesting for like I've been personally trying to figure out especially as a business owner like small business owner what times of day like I am the most creative what times a day I am like the most hardworking. what times a day I should like take a walk or take a nap <laughs> and so it's like really good at kind of educating you on ways that you can reschedule your life in a little bit more effectively I guess well this is I'm- good that's good timing because I've, yeah. I've been into this whole, like, I know that it, there's, like, some bullshit to pseudoscience and, like, self, self-help self stuff, but, yeah. like, I've been really digging into a bunch of them lately. <laughs> like, it's I, so fun. <laughs> like, I finished, I read one that really helped me out a lot with, like, my body dysmorphia stuff, and it's literally just the body, body image workbook, and it helped me out a lot, like, shift my thinking about my body and my health and how I eat and everything. And then I just yeah. finished reading one, um, my bookshelf is, like, right next to me. It's called um, 
how to not fall apart. Oh, you might. Uh, it it has a lot. It, there's a lot of different things that are involved in it. But the yeah. subtitle is "Lessons Learned on the Road from Self Harm to Self Care." So it focuses oh. on like people with like a lot of major depressive issues. But mm-hmm. there's just a lot of good messages in general about taking care of yourself. Yeah. And so um, and it honestly is written for women. <laughs> oh, but whatever. um. But I read it and I still got a, you know, gender's bullshit. So I got gender, a lot yeah. out of it. <laughs> Gender is bullshit. And legitimately, That's awesome. I love that kind of stuff. Oh, oh yeah, sorry. No, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I legitimately <laughs> found myself crying on the floor of like our apartment multiple times reading it. Because I was like, I relate to this so much. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's amazing. So this is good timing because I just finished reading that and I can, this is good timing. Ah. Hell Yeah. <laughs> So I can get into reading about perfect timing. Mm-hmm. God damn it. <laughs> it's, good. it's good in it's good in lots of business ways. So, so yeah. um for folks uh not n- who are not aware of your my connection, you're like my first friend I made one of my first friends I made at Oregon <laughs> State. <laughs> really? Yeah. I love that. <laughs> like one of my first new friends that I made at Oregon yeah. State. So like we kind of go back. Um, but for folks who don't know who you are, can you tell people a little bit about who you are, where you come from, how you got here? Sure. Um, my name is Katie Weaver. Uh, I've been a photographer for 10 years now, which is crazy. Like officially in business, this is 10 years. Ah. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, and I'm from, I'm fr- I grew up in Portland and I went to Oregon State. I was born in California, which is like, as a Portlander, you don't want to say that, but, um, (laughs) but you're like shaking your head right now. Um, (laughs) but I lived in Portland since I was like six years old. So I pretty much consider myself like Oregonian to the core. Um, yeah, that's, I run my own business. I'm travel and photograph weddings and portraits. I focus mostly, like I said, focus on people, Um, I really, I really love photographing people and telling stories. And I first met you because I love telling stories. And we both started working at the school newspaper together um, at Oregon State. And so I feel like that kind of journalism storytelling, that aspect, like, of my interest is like, never really changed. Um, Mm -hmm. I gotten like more artsy or more photography focused stuff over the years. But yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if that's the full description or oh, not. No. We're going to get into <laughs> really a little bit hard. more. Don't you worry. <laughs> I, I love it because I remember when we first showed, we, we were at a barometer meeting like early on in that, that, that school year. I think it was 07, 08. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that was, was 12 years ago. Oh, oh my, my God. God. <laughs> we're uh, so old. <laughs> I feel so old. And, um, <laughs> I remember seeing uh, like story things getting uh, getting assigned, and you and I like were assigned to, the, to work on a story together. And I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." And then we ended up writing this thing together, and then uh, we ended up having late nights at the 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 newsroom and everything. Even a couple years after that, so, so we've many. been through the ringer. That was the time. It was definitely a time. And you weren't even taking pictures yet, right? So I officially was taking pictures, but I wasn't doing it like sneakily on the side, if that makes sense. Okay. So 
like I started taking pictures in high school and my first year at the barometer I hadn't bought like a nice camera yet I was still using like I was still borrowing other people's cameras uh and then it was my sophomore year that I first got like a DSLR in college but I had been I had started making money on the side I started making money on the side from it like starting in high school so okay I was sneaky but you didn't really see that side of me in the beginning because <laughs> so I was just like oh so there was fight. another side of you okay. yeah yeah definitely <laughs> Um, so when did you actually like, so you started taking pictures in high school. What got you into wanting to take pictures? Um, so was, I kind of had this realization when I was going back through some like photo, old photo albums, but originally like when I was a kid, I have these two younger sisters, our identical twins who are like two years, younger, a couple years younger than me. Uh, and I went back through all these old photos and I found like these really funny pictures of my sisters at their birthday parties when they, we were all like kids. Uh, where I would like, get my mom's film camera and just like take these, like take my sisters and like dress them and their friends up in like crazy outfits and put weird makeup on them and then like take funny pictures of them afterwards. And I found them years later and I was like, oh, it was a sign. I see. <laughs> so I feel like that was like original. Like I really like doing that it was just like dressing people up and taking their pictures when I was like a child. Uh, and then my grandfather gave me like people expect me to say film camera, but he didn't give me a film camera. He <laughs> gave me a. Uh, he gave me like this Olympus digital camera that was kind of like one of those like dad cameras. It's like a super zoom. Um, back in like, I think he gave it to me in like 2005. Uh, and I started using that and it wasn't a DSLR, but it had a lot of like manual, I could do a lot manually with it. Um, like it wasn't like a disappointing shoot. It was like more advanced than that. Cause my grandfather was always like really into photography. Um, he was like hardcore. He like I think he might have entered some pictures into competitions when he was a young man. Hmm. Um, so he like gave me the camera. I started using it. I- I've discovered Flickr uh, and the Flickr community like pre Instagram. Hell uh, yeah! <laughs> yeah, I'm one of these like original Flickr people. And if you talk to people in the photography industry who are around the same age as me, like there's a whole bunch of us that like got our got our found our bearings in Flickr. Um, so I got really active in the Flickr community. I think I was just like a high schooler who wanted a lot of attention. And so I would take like really stupid self portraits and then post them on Flickr and then get lots of comments and be like, feel good about myself. Uh, because you know, puberty, uh, and they were pretty, they were pretty terrible, (laughs) but like, I was really aggressively into this new social media of Flickr at the time, because it's like MySpace era. Uh, and I like was really involved and posted in a lot of groups and was doing a lot of like community stuff through Flickr. And, uh, I ended up like gaining a pretty big Flickr following. Like, I think I had like a million views in my first year of Flickr or something like that. Like it was like my Flickr Flickr presence wasn't tiny. Like I definitely participated enough. Photos weren't that good. (laughs) I had like these group of people that were telling me that they were good. Um, and like in high school, people were like, oh, like, I want to look at your Flickr or like, tell I saw this on your Flickr today. And like, people would like check in on it. Um, and so I would like take photos of all my friends and all that fun stuff in high school. Uh, I also, this is going to be depressing, but I'll, I'll go through it quickly. But, um, I had these two friends in high school who like, after I was in a bad relationship, they, uh, they kind of like. I was in a like kind of abusive relationship and then we broke up and I had like no friends because it was one of those possessive relationships where they like make sure you don't have any friends uh, because they're too jealous. So I would like no friends left and I met these two people and they were both like they both had DSLRs and they pretty much adopted me as their friend and we just would like 
mess around and take pictures and like drive everywhere together and like they were amazing and we both they like really supported my like photography passions I guess at the beginning um and one of those is the friend who just died Mm. um so that's really hard but um yeah so I had this like really cool like incubating experience with photography in high school but at the same time I'm like I don't know oldest child I don't know people out there oldest children like (laughs) very much overachieving type my parents were like you will go to a good college and I was like I will be valedictorian get straight A's like I must become a doctor or something like really aggressive so like I was it wasn't even on my like radar of like potential career options because Mm -hmm. I was like I can't be an artist that's not real um (laughs) but eventually it became a real thing Sorry, that's a long backstory. No, no, uh, no, that's important. I mean, it eventually became a thing, though. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, I know. I remember in college <clears throat> that you started doing like, uh, like portraits for people, and you did some of my band's early stuff. Oh gosh, those pictures! Hell yeah, I remember looking back at that. I was very <laughs> thankful that uh you didn't completely lose uh our we didn't lose your friendship when we asked to do a picture in just our boxers so i apologize (laughs) and i didn't lose your friendship when i decided to photoshop flames onto that picture (laughs) (laughs) oh man early days of photography were not they were not beautiful well no, styles interesting then not at all but i mean i mean you get your start somewhere uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when you're so, getting your start and starting out this business for yourself, what did that look like for you? And how did you uh, really feel like it was actually going to become a thing? Um. Yeah. So, okay. I feel like a lot of times there's a couple different types of people in the world, like people who are like, I'm going to do this thing. And then there's people who are like, they have a lot of interests. And then they're like, I like all these things. How do I choose one? I don't know. And I was like that person. I like had, I liked all these things. Like, I really liked science. I was like really into physics. I liked writing. I was into journalism. And I like really liked photography when I was younger. So I like wanted to do all the things. Um, and then I like kind of started just like narrowing and narrowing and narrowing and narrowing. And then photography ended up being like the winner somehow. Um which is weird, but I kind of wanted to say that it's not always, it's not always like an aha moment of like, I'm going to do this thing and then I'm going to do it. It's like kind of a slow and weird process a lot of times. And maybe that's not helpful. I don't know if that's helpful or not, but I think it's okay to recognize that it's not always like a, I'm going to do this and this is going to be what I'm doing. It's Mm -hmm. like more of a hazy decision-making process in my case. So yeah, I was really into writing and storytelling, and I started working at the Barometer with you, and this is actually a very crucial part of the story. Um, so, yeah, so Craig and I worked at the Barometer together, and I somehow became the editor-in-chief after, like, a year of working there, which was terrifying, because then I was suddenly the boss of this newspaper, uh, and... <laughs> you were the <laughs> boss we, of me. I was the boss of you for a little while, which was weird. Uh, it's okay. You ended up being the boss of me later on in college for like a second too. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. You're right. <laughs> We've been each other's bosses. It's fine. <laughs> it's a normal friendship. Um, <laughs> you're just dying right now. I forgot. But, yeah. Yeah. So I ended up running the paper cause I don't know why. And 
I was doing that and I was taking photos on the side. I was staying up till four o'clock in the morning, editing pictures every night just for fun, learning Photoshop. And I was really passionate about that. And I was taking classes and trying to all this stuff. Um, But working at the paper and being the editor was like really a challenging job. Like I think I had like 70 employees. I had to like hire people. It was like constant drama in my email inbox every day. I think I was working like 50 hours a week. Like it was a really intense job. And I was 19. Like I didn't know what I was doing at all. Um, And I had a one year term as editor. And so I had this moment where at the end of my term, I was like, I don't think I want to keep doing this, but maybe I want to kind of be involved. I'm not sure in the future. Like this has been really stressful. And then like fate kind of decided it for me because of like some office politics and whatever, where like I didn't end up getting the new position that I wanted to get at the paper um, the following year, uh, which was like a little awkward for me because I'm like, what? I'm not getting what I wanted. This is so crazy. Um, but it ended up, it was just like this like drum- dramatic moment of my life where like I thought I was going to get this position. These other two people took it instead. And I was like, how did I not get this? And then I kind of, it was like kind of a crazy thing where I was like, well, I don't want to be a part of this anyways. And then I had this moment where I was like, if I can run a paper for a year and somehow not drive it totally into the ground, like I can totally start my own business. Yeah. And like that like failure of like, oh, I didn't get rehired back at the paper in this like what I wasn't trying to be editor in chief again, but just this other position. Um, not getting that and like having this like failure, like it was a failure in a big way. But it kind of sprouted my like ability to be like, well, maybe I should try, really try a photography. Because I'd been doing it like the whole time. I had been learning from people, um, and I had been making like small amounts of money. So that was like the big confidence booster in terms of like yeah I can I can try this um and so that was like end of sophomore year of college um and that's when I officially like was like I'm gonna start a business this is happening <laughs> uh and then what what happened with that is that my I had this awesome friend that I also met through the paper because the barometer it was just like everyone you know it was a great great way of meeting people um I had this friend who was a couple years older than us who was a photographer and he had seen my work through Facebook or Flickr or something. And he was like, hey, do you want to come shoot this wedding with me? And I was like, uh, sure. And he like <laughs> was like, yeah, I want to take you to some weddings and I'll leave a second shoot with me and like I'll show you how to do it. And his name was Peter Chi. He's really awesome. Mm-hmm. He's still one of my really good friends today. Uh, and so I, I did one of my first weddings by myself without him. And then I did a bunch of like five or six or maybe even 10 weddings like with him. And at first I was like, oh, hell no, this is too stressful. I can't do this. It's too hard. I'm so, I don't know. It was just very overwhelming. Um, And I think a lot of people, when they first start photographing weddings, they're just like, oh, heck no. Like, this is too much. Um, And I feel like for me, it was a process. I'm sorry if I'm just rambling. Uh, It was a process of, I thought for the long time that I wanted to be like, this famous commercial photographer who was like high fashion photographer shooting models in like Paris or some shit like that. Um, that was like original, an original plan that I was like, I'm going to do that. And I'll just shoot weddings to make a little bit of money and all this things. But like the more I photographed weddings and the more I photographed real people and the more I like, I had another mentor growing up, uh, whose name is Pete Stone, who's a, a commercial photographer as well. Um, 
the more I talked to people like him and as well as like understood the industry a little more, the more I realized like I didn't want that. I like, I didn't that my personality type worked really well with thinking on the fly, showing up at an event, photographing real people in like real moments and not like working with like extreme amounts of pre-planning to like, get every detail correct for like months before like one big shoot with like models and other people on deck and this like corral like collaborative thing I don't know like that was less enticing to me than throw me into a wedding and I'll make amazing pictures like out of my ass basically well yeah that's <laughs> you know? the that's the like true ethic of like someone who trusts themselves to like do it themselves like you have yeah. that much faith in yourself and confidence that you can get this done that you don't need all that prep and planning that can sometimes get I don't know make things look over overly fake if you will or like too overdone yeah like I was really drawn I think so what I ended up realizing is like I was really drawn to the creativity and the beauty of like editorial campaigns and like that kind of style just because it was super artsy and interesting and weird and like the originally like 10 years ago the wedding industry was not like that it was very contrived and boring and bad editing and blah and there's been like a lot of in last decade like it's really changed and the like style and artisticness of like wedding photography has become much more open-ended and really like a lot of anything goes like there are people out there who want really artistic and beautiful wedding photos and that doesn't necessarily that sort of like category was much smaller before people didn't even think that was an option it was just like oh you get traditional photos you know so when was that so when was that moment when you were like all right this is what I'm gonna do like this is me now like this is my job I I I have a vague remember uh, memory of when you did it, but in your brain, what was that thought process like? I'm doing this 100% now. How did that I'm I'm still trying I just remember I remember coming back realizing that like I didn't get that job for the following year at the paper that I wanted and then just like crying and feeling like such a failure and then somehow either that day or the next day or that week just having this like the I don't remember this specific moment but I just remember being like if I can do this then I could totally do this yeah and I'm I'm gonna do it and uh that I was like the summer like I said end of sophomore year before junior year and that's when I just started like pouring everything into taking photos like I shot weddings that summer um I started advertising I got serious about my website I like started buying gear like crazy um and like my college my two college roommates the following next two years because I lived in the same house for those last two years of school they were like we always wanted to go out and do things and Katie didn't want to do anything she was just like editing photos the whole time (laughs) and like I kind of I kind of my only regret is I feel like I didn't have like as full of a college experience because I was like aggressively focused on getting this business launched yeah. Um, so that was the sacrifice I feel like I made. It's like I did not party as much as some of my friends. But I partied a lot afterwards because I was like, oh, I'm self-employed. Now I can party all the time. What's up? Uh- <laughs> How long have you been self-employed doing this? Yeah, 10 years. Oh, 10 years. Okay. Yeah. So- I, I, yeah, that's <laughs> just so fucking wild to me. 2009. <laughs> that's so wild to me. Yeah. It's – it it – I don't know, like, I know I have a lot of, there was a lot of, like, things that went right, and so it's, like, I understand that everyone's situation is really different, and I got lucky in a lot of ways, and that a 
I mean, luck is a weird word, but I also like I was I had a lot of privilege and I was very lucky and things worked out well once I like got going. And I know starting a business is really difficult and I had a lot of financial things that like ended up working out in my favor. So that was good. (laughs) Well, and I'm at least uh, I at least appreciate when like I know that there's been a lot of luck on my side, too, that like the belief that like, oh, no, I did this all on my own. Like I there was no help along the way. I'm just like, eh, we all have a good amount of luck too. Yeah. Like, I don't think I would be here in Massachusetts and doing the work that I do now if I didn't get lucky enough to get picked as one of the 35 people that were picked to be in my graduate program, let alone 16 that were uh, then subsequently uh, asked to actually join the program. So like that was a lot of fucking luck. Yeah, to get into that. So, um, like, I don't even say that I deserved or even earned a spot. I got lucky. (laughs) No, I I did. I did my fair share. But yeah, but there is a fair amount of luck in what we do to get to where we are. And I think it's good to acknowledge that. Yeah, I feel I definitely feel like that, like my friend meeting me through the paper, like Peter, like, him being like hey want to shoot weddings with me and I was like sure I don't know why not like that was just like handed to me as this just like opportunity to learn and I feel like I've always I'm an I'm aggressively frugal person um and I have aggressively frugal like my dad is really frugal and his mom is really frugal like depression era and I feel like I come from that Mm. and so like I've always been like super save money focused and so I think, like, starting out at a young age, ha- like, always, like, babysitting and saving money, like, I was able to, like, kind of save money continually so that I was able to start buying gear when I was in college, just a little bit at a time, like, one yeah. lens here, like, a body here, and that, like, when I graduated, I had enough gear at that point to, like, be, like, just go full-time from graduation, mm-hmm. um, which is, like, an extremely, like, privileged and lucky thing to be able to doing because, like, I know, like, starting a business is really expensive, Um, and that is like the biggest, I think that's like one of the most daunting aspects of it is like, how do you find that like cash up front to buy the stuff you need? Yeah. It's not cheap to start doing photography. Like I know like Katie, Katie's been putting a lot into just being able to be a concert photographer and it's wild. And then they even go around, uh, while touring and they're around, people who literally only do concert photography and the gear that they're lugging around, like makes them even feel a little like, Oh no, I'm never going to be able to have all the gear that they have. And you don't need that much gear. And that's the thing. Like it's, it's like a whole, I think in photography, there's also just this, like there's like this image or this like mentality that you have to have ridiculous shit to get out like a, like a quality product when like you oh, can yeah. do pretty darn good work with, I don't know. I don't know shit about photography, but it seems like you can, <laughs> you can do pretty well with not having to oh have yeah. a huge rig of stuff to carry around with you. All right, time for a quick break in the podcast just to remind you a little bit about the nonprofit that I run called The Art of Survival. Go to artissurvival.com. It is 
Sexual Assault Awareness Month, and we started our nonprofit three years ago uh, in Sexual Assault Awareness Month to be an organization that was for sexual assault survivors and trauma survivors, and then it branched into a whole big other thing that it has become now. Uh, but three years ago, uh, this week, we launched the project, and now it's become this really cool thing where uh, we support bands and we tour around and Katie tours around, and uh, uh, we do a lot of uh, storytelling to support survivors. So go to artistsurvival.com and check out more of what we do. Get some resources, read some stories, and also go to patreon.com slash survival so that you can support and become a monthly donor to our organization. That would be really helpful. I would love it. Also, the podcast is a part of the Connect EDU network. Go to connectedu.network to learn more about all the fantastic podcasts and resources that you can find in this fantastic organization of podcasters. The network connects the unique perspectives and expert insight of higher education through podcasting. So if you're affiliated with higher education, from being a professor to a director of marketing, you might be able to find a podcast that fits your style. Hey, you might be a punk in higher ed and you didn't know there was a podcast specifically for punks in education uh, that, that I run. And here you are. You you got it now. I hope that you like what you're hearing and maybe you want to go check out some other podcasts. Maybe by my friend Josie or maybe by my buddy Dustin. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe you do. Maybe you want to listen to those too. Go check them out. Connect EDU Network. Uh, that, that's, what, that's what I'm a part of. The Connect EDU Network. Go to connectedu.network to learn more. All right. Back to the show. I have this awesome friend, uh, if people are listening, I can like follow his work. His name is David Alvarado and he um he is this just badass commercial photographer and he like works for what does he work for? Like uh Travel Portland and like all this stuff. But he shoots with his iPhone like a ton. That's like, wild. He uses he taught me how to shoot raw on iPhone and I was like, What? And he's like, Oh yeah, I use this all the time and his work is like unreal good like he's really talented and like he shoots i mean he has all this gear like he has tons of gear and he leads as professional shit but like he can get that on an iPhone. you know like if you i always tell people like i do mentoring sessions with young photographers um and i always tell them like it's not about your gear it's really just about like understanding your gear and knowing how to use it but like you can make good stuff happen with most cameras hmm. so I don't know. It's not. I think it's a lot. There's a lot of like really toxic. There's a lot of toxic toxicity in the photography industry, having to do with like this old school masculine vibe of like this old white dude with a big ass camera who like makes you feel like if you don't have that or you don't fit that stereotype, therefore you are not valid. Um, and like for me like there's certain camera stores I don't like to go to in Portland because I feel like as a woman walking into that camera store they would always be like oh would you like to look at this point and shoot and I'm like hell no uh, like I'm like I probably make more money than you do in a year like doing what I do like come uh, on uh, like I wish I could be like do you want to see my bank segment bro like take me <laughs> to your professional level cameras like I don't know I get really I got really fired up about that in the past and like 
I feel like in the wedding industry, it's just, it has shifted to be like a lot more female, but still like you'll be at a wedding. And I know so many photographers who like, there will be like a main woman and then she'll have like an assistant who's a man and all the guests will come up to the man and be like, Oh, like you're in charge, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, he's the assistant, bro. I don't know. Sorry. I'm ranting. Um, oh, no, that's fine. <laughs> there's I'm, a lot of, I'm there's a lot of this. stereotypes in the industry um, that you got to combat as just in general. And a lot of them are like, like you said about gear, like where people will totally judge you. Um, and I remember, I remember getting, <laughs> I have a 70 to 200, a Canon 70 to 200, like IS2 lens that was like, it was like when I bought it, it's probably worth way less now, but when I bought it, it was like $2,500. Like it's an aggressively large, it's one of those big white lenses. That's just a giant looking. Um, and I remember buying it and being like, Oh, I feel legit now. Um, because I have this one lens, which I don't even need it. I didn't even need it that bad. But like when I'm at weddings, I just want people to take me seriously. I'll just put it on for a little while and then walk around and then they'll be like, Oh, okay. She's, she means business. Okay. She's got a big lens. And and then I take it off and I'm like, okay, now they take me seriously. Okay, cool. It's really stupid, but it seems, it seems like even with the proliferation of like better cameras and phones, everyone kind of thinks they're a photographer right now. And I, I think that's awesome (laughs) just because like, go, you know, go for it try it like as much as you can. And if you're learning by using like they, the phones are becoming legitimate, like they're cameras that you can talk to people on basically. Mm -hmm. That's what they've become. And like, being able like the things that I take the pictures of the most are my records. And um, I'm not sure if you've noticed that, but, well, I have. <laughs> <laughs> but there are people in the vinyl community who have complete photo studios for their records for taking pictures uh-huh. of their records. Yeah. Like one of my buddies took a picture of what it looks like when he takes a picture of his records and there's like lighting, there's like a canvas, like there's all this stuff that goes into taking a picture that'll get like thousands of likes on it. And then he'll get record labels to be like, Hey, share, share our band's album so that it can be seen. And I'm like that, that's even possible in this realm, in the realm that I'm very familiar with, but I'm just like, take a quick pick yeah post it <laughs> but like it's wild dude what people will it put into wild. it <clears throat> but the cameras are getting to where you can like become like semi-professional like your friend being able to shoot raw on an iphone is like something we couldn't have even fathomed oh yeah <clears throat> when i was when I was in high school, because like we didn't even have cameras on our phones yet. Yeah, like I was a super late adopter. Like I think I had like I had a Canon five D Mark II before I had a smart before I had an iPhone. Hmm. I believe. Wow. Like I had a super nice DSLR before I ever had a smartphone. <laughs> and I remember like the first couple years of running business and like having to like look up directions on the computer and then like write them down and not being able to like access my email on my phone. Cause my phone was just like a dumb phone still like, <laughs> I don't know. And then I feel really old when I tell those stories, but that's it's fine. That's fascinating. 
it's crazy. It's changed. It changes so much and it's changing so fast all the time. Yeah. I, yeah. I can only imagine like it to me, it's with like every update to these phones, it feels like they're pushing more and more for people to just like use phones as this outlet. And like, that's kind of, I don't know how I feel about that. Oh, just, I don't know how I feel about it either. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it just seems like, that tends to be the selling point for the phone now is yeah. how good the camera is. And I don't, well, I don't get it. <laughs> I think that like, I feel like it's possible. It's possible that a lot of people in the photography industry feel threatened by like the amount of cell phones. Um, and I used to feel really, I remember when I was first starting out, I felt really threatened even at that time in like, t- like 2009, 2010. Um, I felt like threatened by the amount of people in the industry and the amount of access to technology and how easy it was to get into the industry and all of that. But like, I think honestly, overall for humanity, like we are like the most documented generation ever. Like we have all of these powerful tools to like document so many parts of our lives. And I think that's really cool. Like, I don't think it necessarily has to be a bad thing. It can, it has like, obviously it's like a double edged sword, um, with like cyberbullying and like ch- teenagers being really depressed because of like social media and like all yeah. that stuff. But like the ability to like document your own life and like have that access to like have all these stories that are just small little moments. Like people couldn't do that as easily before. Like it was a lot harder to like for everyday people to afford a can- nice camera and then you have to get it developed and like all this stuff. And it's really cool that you can like have all these pictures of things that are important to you. And like, I, I don't know, along those lines, like, I feel like, uh, in the industry as a wedding photographer, maybe this is not related to podcast things, but yeah. as a wedding photographer in the industry, I feel like, and as somebody, and as people, as you like enter into this industry, if you're like someone out there who's like trying to become a photographer or like wants to get into a creative field, like you'll spend like countless hours on social media, especially on apps like Instagram, like I know I do. And it's so easy to get sucked into this like social media trap where you're like, oh my gosh, like, look at all these people who are better than me. Look at how these, all these people who are more creative than me. How mm-hmm. am I ever going to measure up? How is, like, my work even important? Like, look at all these people, what they're doing all the time. Like, and you start to feel so crappy about yourself. And, yeah. like, I definitely am guilty of that. And then, like, I had a really good reality check recently. Well, it wasn't a good reality check. But, like, when my friend um, committed suicide a couple weeks ago, and, like, I photographed her funeral, um, and I was like organizing the slideshows of all the pictures I used to take of her because her and I know each other for 13 years and I took so many pictures of her over the years like I had this realization where I was like my photos are important they're Mm -hmm. not stupid they're not something that's for Instagram like the pictures I'm taking are not for these like dumb like oh look how pretty or like how good are my photos are oh my god Instagram yay like get some likes like they're not that's not the reason I'm taking them and like I have to keep coming back to that like documentation of like individuals lives whether it's you doing it with your own phone or like me taking photos of people um that are and like gonna be the way that people remember them by like that's real and that's important and like that's powerful and that like gives me like faith in what I'm doing (laughs) as like an artist and as a human and not in terms of like this shallow like popularity contest that is social media and I think that like recentering your understanding your why behind what you do and understanding like the importance behind what you do is like a creative is really 
really important so you don't get sucked into this like self-loathing of social media competition (laughs) oh it happens all the time and like i had to even like take a step back from even the the vinyl world for a little bit because i get i kept feeling like i was like i'm posting these just to try to like get some attention in the music whatever and i'm not even doing it because i care about the music anymore and so like i just kind of gave up and I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to post this shit for whatever. I don't even care anymore. And like, yeah. I feel like in all realms, that's the mentality that keeps coming up is we keep comparing ourselves so much to others in so many different ways that it can be so self-defeating. And I hate it. I hate that. And I'm really glad that you came back to the fact that like your pictures are important to everyone that you like photograph and Oh yeah. Like a long standing moment for. Like I still look back at pictures that you took of me years ago and I'm like, man, that's still some <laughs> of the best pictures that were ever taken of me. Like that's so sick. Yeah. And you haven't taken my picture <laughs> in years. So like you change that. <laughs> well, I mean, sure. But like I I that was when you were still like relatively new and mm-hmm. now you're fucking crushing it. And I mean, you've always been crushing it, but now you're like at the top of your goddamn game and seeing all of the business that you get and that you're able to like, I don't know, you've been all over the world because of this now. Like that is one of the coolest fucking things to start taking pictures in Corvallis, Oregon (laughs) to going name any place you've been. St. Lucia? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, like you've been able to go all over to take these pictures. And throughout all of that, what is something that you've picked up along the way of like just some knowledge in terms of what it takes to kind of get to that point? Mm, uh, Hard work. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, (laughs) I think it's like I really love for me like I really love the challenge of it like I realize that I love like all of the challenges okay there's a few I don't love that much but overall I love all the challenges that come with running a business like I love like the challenge of trying to figure out marketing and being like oh my god I have to like play this game where I'm like trying to get clients. I have to like create all this material and I have to write things. I have to make this beautiful website. And then I have to like talk to people and be really friendly. And then in addition to that, be able to like pose people and interact with them because I'm an extrovert and I love doing that and like get to know all these interesting people. And like, then there's not, that's not even like the physical picture taking part. There's like this whole, like the picture taking part is a very small aspect of it. It's like, I would say like 20%, maybe 25. And then there's like all this other crap you have to do in addition to that it's like all about managing expectations and email communication and everything and like I think it's all really fun like it's this like super big challenge um and maybe that's not a good answer to your question but I think if you really enjoy like the challenge of it like overall not just like oh I like taking pictures because pictures are pretty Mm -hmm. like it has to be more than that it has to be like oh my gosh I'm super passionate you have to be super passionate and ready to like put in a lot of work yeah Uh, because it's not easy. I don't know. I don't know if that's a great answer. No, but... it, it totally makes sense because like, like getting into it just because you like taking pictures kind of doesn't seem like it's enough. Because, no, it's it's not quite enough. Yeah, you've gotta you've gotta fucking you gotta market yourself too. Yeah. And like that's something like since I do public speaking all over 
like I get, I mean, I also get flown out to places too. It's not a big deal, but like, fancy, (laughs) (laughs) but like people always ask, like, how do you get into public speaking? And I'm like, well, you one, you got to market yourself. You got to show people what you can do. You got to put in some gigs where you're actually not getting paid or you're not getting paid much or you're Mm -hmm. doing it. And I hate to say it for the exposure. And so uh, exposure, I hate, I I've done two, Ugh. I've done two talks for that reason. And it got me multiple other talks. So it was worth yeah. it in the end, but I took them being like, okay, I don't know if this is even going to work, but here we go. But like, it takes a lot of effort to actually get yourself to a certain point where then you get to do the thing that you like to do. <laughs> yeah. I like doing it. It's really fun. It's like, um yeah it's just like a really good challenge and I'm also feel like the it helps to be like I'm definitely a person who I was like motivated by getting good grades and I'm also like very motivated by like making money and I know that like if I work harder like I will make more money like yeah. I know that like if I do all these things and I put in the time like I can make lots of money which is maybe sounds really shallow but like I don't I think as a business owner like you have to kind of have a little bit of that attitude where you're like ready to put in the works and I like I just like knowing like oh I it's different like I don't know I've never had a salaried job so I don't know what that's like um but I like knowing that I feel like the direct amount of work I put into whatever I'm doing will like equal direct amounts of like more profit and like more business in the future um which I think is really motivating for me personally that makes total sense. Like yeah. in working a salary job where I do more than what I'm paid to do. Uh, <laughs> it's certainly <laughs> one of those things where um, you kind of wonder how much effort it sh- like, should I just tailor yeah. it back a little bit? I don't know. But then yeah. you're like, but now I feel like I'm not doing my job. So yeah. Yeah. To that end, it sounds yeah. like you have something that works perfectly for you. And I, I, I love that for you. That's so sick. Um when it comes to doing uh when it comes to doing weddings now shifting a little bit uh yeah. what's something that you've learned just like since those early days of working with Peter doing doing uh weddings and now that you're like that's your that's your bread and butter um <laughs> wedding season i know that much um what have you kind of picked up along the way um in terms of how people should go about like I don't know, picking wedding photographers or even working with them. Um, and even for folks who want to like do wedding photography, what are some, what are some of the things you've oh, learned man. in that regard? Um, I think that it's really easy to lose sight of how fun weddings are and that a lot of people get sucked into this. Like every wedding is the same. Like it's kind of like a, you know, formulaic thing where it's like, this happens, this happens, this happens, this happens. Um, and they lose sight. It's really easy. Like, I feel like people who are within in the industry or they've done a few weddings to like, just feel like, oh, one wedding is like all weddings, you know, I think that's pretty common. I've like, I've, I have like felt that before. Um, and I think that's something that's really important for everyone for myself is just understanding and remembering like the importance of the human connection element. And it's not just like, oh, I'm taking pictures of this thing that like, there's going to be a ceremony and then there's going to be a cocktail hour and then there's going to be a reception and there's going to be dancing. Um, Like scrapping like the formula of it and like really working on 
connecting with the people involved and like getting to know them and seeing all these crazy intertwined stories that have led up to this day and like staying I think that like it's so easy to just get like complacent with like oh it's just another wedding like uh," and like (laughs) stop that don't do that like yeah I'm getting married this year and I'm like, oh my God, this is, I've been looking forward to this day for like forever. And I am so excited for this weekend. Like I'm so excited to like have all these people in my life all together in one place. Like it's going to be so amazing. I like can't even tell you how excited I am. And like there's so many like interwoven stories and like complicated relationships and so many little things going on behind the scenes. And like weddings are so cool like that. Like there's all these people are meeting for the first time. Some of them have known each other for decades. Some of these I've never met. There's like drama. There's not drama. There's like love. There's tears. There's grief. There's everything. Like it's a super powerful human like ceremony and event. And it's like, you, you don't want to get lost in the like, Oh, it's another wedding. Like I'm doing one every weekend. Like, eh. like when you get to like something that I've shifted is I really am trying to get to know all my couples like crazy. Well, like, I talk to everybody on the phone. I try to get drinks with them. I like, or I try to Skype with them. Like I really want to like get to know them and their relationship and like be like friendship level with them. Ask them deep questions about like all the people that are at their wedding. Um, see like, Hey, if I had known you for the last 10 years, like what can you tell me about the people and like their relationships at this event that like, if I had known you, I would know like, Oh my gosh, this person's talking to this person. Like I need to take a photo of that. Um, (laughs) like little stuff like that. Like I think that, like, this is the same thing for social media, where it's, like, people want to, like, say, like, oh, like, let's take the picture pictures of the brides and the grooms with this, like, beautiful floral piece and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know. For me, like, when you come back to the human element of, like, the connections with real people who are really there, who are having a super emotional day, um, and you, like, stay in tune with that, like, it's really fun. And it means a lot. And that meaning is, like, way more awesome than just, like posting a pretty picture on Instagram that looks perfect, I guess. Does that make sense? That's, like, my biggest, like, thing I think that I realized is that I've done all these, I've done, like, almost 200 weddings in the last 10 years, and, like, the people are what matter. (laughs) Yeah, that's, I mean, (laughs) that is the right mentality. Like, holy shit, it makes total sense. Like, like you love to tell stories. You want to know the stories that are going on there that are going on even below the surface that you don't even realize that you don't even oh, realize yeah. are there. And so as a photographer, it seems like um, that's, that's what, that's the angle you have to come at it from because if you're not getting those stories, if you're not showing those interactions or those experiences, like you're, you're missing out. Yeah. And so it's like, it's huge to, to grab those moments. And also like, I'm fairly certain that your wedding, which I'm very excited to come to, um, (laughs) uh, is just going to be like one huge friend family reunion. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so excited. It's going to be so fun. It's going to be wild. (laughs) There's going to be so much Oregon state represented at that wedding. (laughs) Oh my God. I just like my bachelorette party this last weekend with like 15 girls, most of whom were from Oregon State. Like, I I was like, this is so fun just being with these 15 women. And I was like, this is only 15 of my friends. Like, <laughs> their male counter- counterparts aren't even with us. And I like love all of them. And I'm like, if this is like any eye opening of like how ridiculous this weekend is going to be, like, I was just like, I feel so lucky to have these people in my life and they're so special to me. And Sorry to keep bringing it back to, like, the dead friend thing, but, like, um, having recently lost someone who was, like, 
very important to me, like bridesmaid level, like extremely close friend, uh, like realizing how important people are to other people. And like as a photographer being like, I need to photograph all these people for this person because someday all of their friends is so morbid, but someday everyone's going to die. And what they're going to have are photos of those people laughing at their wedding. And that's going to be what's really important to them. Not, I mean, not really important to them, but that's going to be something that they have to remember these people by. And like, that is so huge to like, be able to do that for people like to, to, to be able to take those pictures. I don't know. Having like experienced this recently, I'm like, I just want all my friends and family photographed. I want their, I want pictures of them looking happy. Like I want to remember this forever. Like, I don't know. So you're just, so oh, how are you going to balance getting married and being the photographer at the same time? <laughs> I'm not going to be, I have a hired, I have hired an awesome photographer. Her name is Catalina Jean. She's a badass. I'm really excited to work with her. Hell yeah. Uh, you should look her up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, she's super cool. So, um, I'm going to try not to aggressively also take pictures. Also, a bunch of my photographer friends will hopefully be there. So I will You'll probably be fine. not be taking You're going to get plenty. There are going to be plenty of pictures. You're, you're not going to have any. Uh, you're going to have a wealth of them, I imagine, from that weekend. It's going to be wild. <clears throat> wild. Uh, while we wrap up this segment, before we get to one final thing, um, what is like a little piece of advice beyond stuff that you've said, like for folks who really want to like make this their thing, uh, photography or even, um, wedding photography, even, uh, more specifically, what do you think it takes? You've, you've mentioned hard work. I know that yeah. that is a big part of it. I don't know if there's anything further you want to, to comment on. Um, so when I meet with people, um, to like ask them to have like little mentorship meetings with them when they're interested in getting into photography. Uh, One of the first things I talk about with them is, and this is something that I also worked with. I had a mentor, like I worked with a mentor last year. His name is Robert J Hill. He's amazing. Um, And he also works with me on this is like sitting people down and being like, why do you want to be a photographer? Why do you want to start your own business? What are the reasons? And then just be like, okay, like you said, I want to travel to places around the world. Like that's not good enough. Like you need to go deeper than that. Like it can't be a selfish reason. It can't just be like, I want to make money. Like that's not going to hold you in a career that you're going to be passionate about. You're like, you can't just say like, Oh, I want to make money. I want to like travel to glamorous places. Like I want to be famous on Instagram. Like those are not strong enough reasons to start a business that will like sustain you mentally as well as like, I mean, you could, you can run a business off of those things perfectly fine, but you're not going to be happy doing it. So like, I, my, one of my things is I try to really start digging deep with people about like the reasons behind their starting, why they're starting a business and like what they're really, really passionate about. Like, what is it that like drives them? And what is it that like, what are the like major reasons behind like, oh, this is what I want to do other than like, oh, I'm getting into weddings because maybe I'll make money this way. But really I like doing this other kind of photography, but like, I can't make money at that because like, it's not profitable. And then I'm like, no, like you can, let's talk, let's like start like writing out ways that we can do this and then brainstorming. So like for me, and maybe I'm just a writer and like, I like journaling and self-help books a lot, but (laughs) I like, I think that digging deep, (laughs) I like digging deep with people and like finding out those reasons why before you like launch into this massive career where you're like, I don't even know why I'm doing this because it's going to take like hours and years of your life. And like, it's so, it's so crappy when you spend the years and years of your life doing this thing. And then you realize like, I don't even like this thing. Yeah. Like that sucks. So it's like, um, 
that's one of the first things I do with people. And I think that once you figure that out, it gets a lot easier because, and it takes a long time to figure that out. You can start kind of using that to direct, like, to think about like, okay, this is what I want to do. And this is why I want to do it. And like, then you just have to figure out how you're going to do it. Right. Which is like, uh, usually, once you have that in mind, you can start thinking like, what am I going to do? Like, actually, like, what am I producing here? Who are my customers going to be like analyzing all those like little businessy things that a lot of times people are just like, I'm going to start an Instagram and like do this thing and start taking pictures and buy cameras. And they kind of just start doing it willy nilly without like deep thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's how I was when I was like 19. Yeah. Um, and I think that like the boring deep thinking parts and journaling and like working on that and like creating an actual business plan will get you so far. (laughs) (laughs) Like I can't even tell you. Uh, Is that, I don't know if that's good enough. No, that's great. Cause I mean, I have no idea where to start to become a photographer. (laughs) Buy a camera, take pictures, profit. (laughs) I also say like, I mean, obviously like get a camera, like take pictures, make a website, Um, and you know, there's like, there's so many, like I could talk, like when I do a mentor session with someone, I literally talk for like eight hours about like all these different aspects of business. Cause there's so many things you can do that are like fine tuned, fine tuned details, like details of like how to use Lightroom and edit bras and use presets and make presets and buy presets and like the white balance and like smart previews and all these little tiny details that we can go into. And I'm like, I'm like surface leveling right now because yeah. We only it's, have so much time. I'm big picture right now, which is like, think about why you actually want to do the thing and like who you can help with it and like who your customers are and then build a website that targets them. Yeah. And a brand that targets them. That makes sense. Hell yeah. <laughs> so. All right. It's time for the music break portion of the podcast. I'm super excited to bring you a song from the newest Holy Fawn album. It is called Arrows. The song comes off of the album that they released last year called Death Spells. It was released by Holy Roar Records and currently reissued as of last week by Triple Crown Records, getting signed to an American label. That's pretty sweet. The band uh, is a very cohesive, chaotic sound of post-rock, post-metal, little bit of noise, some scrams in there. It's wild. The album has all sorts of different sounds. It's very beautiful. It's very noisy. It's all over the place, and I love that. Each song uh, takes its time to expand, to explode, to explore, and I absolutely adore the band for how they bring all of these different sounds into one one complete album. It is friggin' wild. This song, I actually lied. I was going to play the entire song. I decided to cut it uh, about a, cu- a minute and a half short of its entire run length. But you get the idea of the song uh, pretty well. But Because they, they just make some long-ass songs. Bands love doing that. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of that. But, you know, the podcast can only be so long before people give up. And uh, we're almost done. So I want you to listen to this song. It's called Arrows. It is by Holy Fawn. And I hope you dig it.
That was Arrows by Holy Fawn. You can get the record at TripleCrownRecords.com. You can go check them out on Bandcamp. Look up Holy Fawn. You can get the digital copies. I'm sure there's going to be a new vinyl reissue now that they've got re-signed by Triple Crown. Keep your eyes out for that. Get the record. It is so good. I absolutely love it. Please listen to it. Please listen to it. And now let's get back to this conversation. Let's finish it up with Katie Weaver. Cool. I have one last thing. It is a uh, li- a little bit of a lightning round where I'm just going to ask you things that you like in the world. Okay. That's that's about it. <laughs> like off the top of your head, or you can take a moment if you need to. But uh, I just like to end with this because it's nice and fun and you can relax a little bit. Not that we weren't relaxed, but uh, yeah. So, what's your favorite color? Yellow. What's your favorite food? Ooh, that's really hard. I like most food. I would probably say Mexican food, generally yeah. speaking, because I just want to eat Mexican food all the time with yes. lots of hot sauce, as much hot sauce as humanly possible. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite <laughs> book? Oh, uh, I don't, I feel like I read a lot of books, but I don't know if I have like a super favorite. That's really hard. I do. Mm, that's a really dumb book to say as a favorite book. I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Uh, like I'm like thinking about books that I like read as a child that were like important to me, and then there's like all these adult books that I read. Like I really enjoyed like Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which is okay. such a nerdy book to say. Yeah. But I feel like that book like really changed my life in terms of being like, oh, character driven things instead of like whatever. But. I also was thinking about like the Phantom Toll Booth. <laughs> That's my favorite book. I love that book. <laughs> Hell yeah! I have like three copies right there. Like where the sidewalk <laughs> ends. Like she also receives where the si- sidewalk ends. Like just goofy poetry. I don't know. So I yeah. read a lot, but I don't have a lot of like specific favorites. I don't really. I don't know. I don't reread that much. But go for it. <laughs> yeah. Um. What about? So you love birds. We could have done a whole podcast just about how much you love birds. Oh, we could have. <laughs> Do you have a favorite bird? Um, that's also a question I get all the time that I'm not good at answering. And I'm currently <laughs> getting this bird sleeve right now. And I have another appointment on like Tuesday. So I'm I trying to figure out, which, out. <laughs> which birds I'm trying to get next. I know I have a, I have a hoopoe and a sandhill crane. So I'm going to call those my two favorite birds because they're the first ones I got tattooed on my body. So nice. I'm going to, I'm going to say that's my final final answer right now. <laughs> nice. Do you have a favorite movie? Mm. Or even a TV show you're uh, watching, binging, anything like that? Uh, like, I mean, I do really like Mean Girls. I know it's a really basic bitch answer, but I do really like Mean Girls. I've probably seen that movie more than any other movie. <laughs> um, it's a little embarrassing, but that's fine. Uh I also enjoy Gossip Girl <laughs> and, <laughs> and Game of Thrones. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's a big uh, 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 scale right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I really like basic teen dramas, but also I really like I like really like reading. Um, uh, what is it? Sci-fi? Not sci-fi. Like fantasy. I really like mm. fantasy series. So yeah. Fantasy book series. That's awesome. Um, so you've been able to travel all over. What are some of the, your favorite places you've been able to take pictures? 
Ooh. Um, Mikhail and I went to Borneo, and that was an amazing trip. And we, I did a couple shoot with a girl who I met in Cambodia on a photography workshop, and her husband, who she was from Borneo, so we met up with them in Borneo. And we did a photo shoot in a cave in the jungle, like this giant yeah. cave, like crazy deep cave. Like we went like way underground and like I didn't take pictures underground because it was dark AF, but um, we did on the entrance of the cave and it smelled really bad and we like almost got lost and it was like we were really deep in the jungle and we got dark and we had to hike back in the dark and I was like, we're going to die. Um, but yeah, that was really crazy. And that was probably one of my favorite photo shoot adventures. Um, trying to think what else. Uh, I got to photograph a wedding in Cuba over New Year's. Dang. That was really cool. That's so freaking wild. <laughs> I'm always like, where the hell's Katie going now? Jeez. Uh, oh, and I have a, one of my best friends lives in South Africa. And so, like, I got to photograph a South African wedding with her uh, where, like, everyone spoke Afrikaans and they didn't realize that I was an American. So they would just, like, walk up to me and speak Afrikaans to me. And then I was like, I don't understand anything. <laughs> Uh, and that was a really cool cultural experience well this is in a, Johannesburg this is a podcast that folks focuses a lot on music as well to end it what are some of the things you're listening to or even some all-time favorites um I'm a definitely big fan of Death Cab for Cutie that is all-time probably one of my favorites. I don't know where your, what your stance is on them. I feel like I can't remember if you hate them or love them. So they're a band that I missed, but have come to terms with the fact that uh, transatlanticism, postal services get up and give up, and um, uh, plans are three perfect records that Ben yes. Gibbard uh, didn't have any right releasing in order. <laughs> <laughs> God damn, those yeah, were three consecutive can... perfect records. Yes, they're amazing. I really like Death Cab for Cutie. I like Blind. I really like Blind Pilot, um, Bonnie Vare, The Shins. Um, I also am really basic, and I actually am one of those people that listens to the radio when I'm in the car. So I do listen to a lot of like top forty shit, yeah. uh, which I think embarrasses my friends, but I don't really care. Um, yeah, so it's like a good mix of whatever's popular right now, and then I can sing to in the car, and then my like indie yeah indie vibes nice hell yeah well katie (laughs) is there anything you'd like folks to know how to get in touch with you how to find you on the internet uh what how how can people do that uh so my website is my name it's just katieweaver.com and it's katie spelled with a y same way katie perry spells it um so yeah katieweaver.com i'm actually launching a brand new website and brand in Hopefully the next month, it's almost done. Uh, it's going to be a big departure of my old branding. So I'm really excited for that to come out. So everyone should go look at it in hopefully a couple weeks. <laughs> uh, otherwise, you can find me on Instagram. It's just Instagram.com slash Katie Weaver Photography handle. Um, like I said, Katie with a Y. Mm-hmm. And uh, on Facebook, yeah, it's just Facebook.com slash Katie Weaver Photography. Super simple. <laughs> Hell Yeah. Well, it was so great talking to you. I miss you so much, and I can't wait to see you this summer. Yeah, I'm so excited. It's going to be a party. It's going to be a very good party. That's it. We did it. Another episode done. I'm so thankful for my friend Katie Weaver spending some time with me. It was so great to catch up with her. Cannot wait for that wedding. 
It's going to be a blast. It is going to be like a big old class reunion fun times with all of our old best friends. It's going to be great. I cannot wait uh, for this summer to for it all for it all to go down. It's going to be a blasty blast. Make sure that you check out katieweaver.com and and go check out all the great work that she's done. Hell, even maybe have her do some some photo for you. I mean, do it. I've hyped her up in the past. You should do it now. Like you should go. You've already heard her story. Now you should go like give her money. That'd be sick. That's like the whole point. Give my friends money. Give me money. Go to patreon.com slash art of survival and you can become a monthly donor to my uh, nonprofit organization. Wouldn't that be sweet? Wouldn't that be super cool? Go to artissurvival.com also to read some cool stories about survivors of trauma and sexual violence. It is sexual assault awareness month. So I want to make sure that we are uh, educating and taking care of each other as much as possible, especially during this month and go to connectedu.network to learn about all the great podcasts that exist in this organization that I am a part of called ConnectEDU. I want everyone who loves education to go try to find another podcast other than mine if you don't listen to other education-based podcasts uh, and go listen to one. That'd be really sick if you just like, you know, did that, you know, put more education in your ears. It's good for you. I promise. All right. Uh, also, make sure that you listen to more Holy Fawn. I gave you some of that song, Arrows. Uh, I'm going to give you a little bit more of another song here to close out. But go to holyfawn.bandcamp.com. Uh, go to Triple Crown Records. Go to Holy Roar Records. You can get a you can get a digital copies. You can do whatever you want. Uh, and there might be another vinyl reissue. Who knows? I don't know. I got one of the vinyl copies before they sold out, but you never know what's going to happen. But luckily, you know, they got signed to an American-based label, and so they're likely going to have new stuff coming out. So keep your eyes open for that if you like what you heard, and check it out. Uh, Until next week, uh, you know, let's get to work. (laughs) 